Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach, and just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based business, please do us a favor and send them a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch, have you ever heard of a fly and swap? No. I think you're a liar. I have not. Did you just come back from Mexico, yes or no? Yes. You did? Yes. You pooped his How was it? yesterday. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was amazing. It was not How long were you there? Uh, let's see. We flew out Friday morning. We flew home Monday evening. Okay. So perfect time. So for like three f- nights. Perfect time for fly and swap. For those that don't know what a flying swap is, it's when you go with your wife to Mexico and you meet a bunch of other couples down there and then you swap wives. Yeah, that and did Mitch not has been happen. Go- Mitch has been going to Mexico a lot lately. <laughs> I think he's on the flying swap train. That's exactly what I think is happening. I, can, I think it's happening. I can guarantee you that did not happen. Where's Danielle? I'll ask her. Like two months she'd later. She'd cave. She'd cave. And if she had two beers, she'd cave. Oh, yes, it was so much fun. Uh, no. Yeah, no, I she can would. guarantee you. <laughs> Okay. No. So no dysentery. You didn't get shot. No, no. Perfectly you heard about safe. those two people now, that got shot, didn't you? I oh, did. That's awful. I did have them threaten to call the captain of the plane on me on the way down there. So, <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. It's never a simple vacation with Mitch. No, <laughs> nothing simple. God, there's always a story or some drama. Yeah. <laughs> so we're flying out of the new KCI airport. KCI just got a brand new airport. It was like three days old when Which we I leave. hear is a dumpster fire. No, it's it's fine. of chaos. It, I, I don't mean the building. I mean they, the unorganized chaos. The, there was a whole like again, Kansas City Star. They're so desperate for clicks. They're searching for a story. Um, Kansas City used to be like this three terminal airport that was awesome and it was super fast and easy to pick people up from and drop people off and everything. Well, now literally it's literally the easiest airport in the country to get in and out of. Yes. Yeah. Hands down. And now it's a train wreck. And now <laughs> they're new and shiny, but it's a train. Wreck. Now they're a single terminal and two levels. You got like arrivals up. Uh, uh, let's see. Departures up top and arrivals down on the bottom. But your distance, <clears throat> your roadway distance to pick people up and drop people off has shrunk by probably like a sixth of the size of the old airport. Yeah. And so. What happened is people were used to being able to come in and drive around those circles until their their people got there, yeah. and then they just pick them up. Well, now there's no circles to drive. No, around. now they got a phone lot. Right. Well, nobody was using the phone lot, and no. everyone was just parking at the arrivals. You know what I've noticed, and or what I clogging everything. Thought up. about is like I heard the story, you know, and then I hear this phone lot. That was the first time I'd heard about it. All over the news, phone lot's been there everyone, for years. Everyone's all this thing. I never heard one. I, this is the first time I've ever heard about it. Yeah, ever. So yeah. you go to the lot, you wait for the person to call you and tell them what column they're by, and then you go pick them up. Yeah, you just never go, heard of it. Yeah, never freaking heard of it. Yeah, so good job, Casey. We, we had no. I mean, good job. We you know we were able to park like eighteen feet from the terminal. Like it was just it was super easy for us. But uh, we were flying out. Like we had to get up at two forty five in the morning on Friday, and our flight left at like five oh five a.m. or something like that on Friday. Whew. 
and um, we're sitting in the was in it the direct plane. flight? No, oh. uh, layover in Dallas. Well, layover like plane change is really what it is. Yeah. But anyway, we're sitting on the uh, tarmac in Kansas City waiting to leave, and the captain gets over the speakers and he's like, um, "So there's an ongoing maintenance issue with this plane where we have to." Uh, have a crew from maintenance turn a valve so we can manually start the engines. We can't start them with a button up here in the cockpit, so we're waiting on somebody for maintenance. Well, it took somebody for maintenance like 45 minutes to get over there and turn this valve so that they could start the engines and fly away, right? Well, our connection was only like a 45-minute layover yeah. in Dallas. They hold the planes. They were not going to hold our plane. Sure, um, sure they would. Thankfully, it was only two terminals away. But we're pulling up to the gate, and our other plane starts boarding in like, like a minute. I mean, like, like we were right on the cusp, right? And so, um, because we were in the peasant boarding group, um, peasant, you know, group nine, um, <laughs> and and so I, and, and our seats were up in the front of the plane. My carry-on luggage, there were no spots in the front. So of the they plane. took it to the back. So I had to take it like twenty rows behind me to put it in an overhead bin. Well, then. We're pulling into Dallas, and they have to stop. They, they say, we're, we're not quite there yet. We've still got another 20 feet to go, but there's a, a piece of equipment in the way. So we're waiting here for a second until they move this piece of equipment. Well, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and get up and go get my carry-on. Yeah, and the whole time, I know Danielle's going, Mitch, sit down. Oh, no. Mitch. No, no. She's all freaking out. She doesn't want to miss the flight, right? So she's like, you go get the carry-on while we're waiting. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I get up. The bus. Get your fat ass up and get back yeah. and get that carry-on. <laughs> so, so I get up, and I start walking back to get the carry-on. And, and there's other people grabbing their stuff, too. Yeah. And they get on the loudspeaker, and they're like, everyone, please remain seated. We're not to the gate yet. We have to remain seated until the, we get to the gate. And, and no one else is listening to her, right? Well, so I get into the bin and get my carry-on out, and I turn around, and she comes on the speaker again, and now she's addressing me specifically. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, sir, you need to put your carry-on back in the overhead compartment and take your seat. And I'm just ignoring her, and I'm just walking up the aisle with my carry-on. Did carry you on. go? Yeah. <laughs> no, so she... <laughs> So then she's like, sir, if you don't put that overhead bin or overhead, you know, put your carry on back in the overhead bin, I'm going to have to call the captain. And I'm like, oh, that's a great way to ruin a fucking vacation. Yeah. So, <laughs> fucking call him, bitch. <laughs> so I walk back, put it in the overhead bin, and I stand there for like 14 seconds while they move the plane forward 10 feet. And then. This episode is brought to you by Field Pulse, the official field service management software provider of The Void. Field Pulse allows you to organize your customers, your employees, your jobs, and your revenue with ease. Field Pulse is the perfect option no matter if you're a business of one or 100, and their plans start at just $99 a month. Check out the link to Field Pulse in the description of this show. They're like, the seatbelt sign comes off, and now the whole aisle's full, oh, and I'm shit. stuck way back in the back. Oh, I've been pissed. I've been walked out and be like, you know what, bitch, you just cost me. Yeah. So, but <laughs> other than that, everything else went. But you made your flight, apparently. Yeah, we made our flight. Uh, turns out, so the other plane, biggest plane I've ever been on, from Dallas to Cancun, uh, two aisles, nine seats wide. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, those take a while to board. So oh, yeah. When you're in boarding group nine, that you know the peasant class boarding on that one. You're gonna be a minute. Yeah, so. yeah. It was pretty fun. That plane probably takes a half hour to board. Yeah, 
So, Jesus. but super fast flights. I mean, like flight to Dallas from Kansas City is oh, like, like an nothing. hour and fifteen minutes or yeah, something. It's nothing. Flight from Dallas to Cancun is like two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, like it's really not that far. You know what doesn't all. make any sense to me? It's Kansas City International Airport. Uh-huh. There are no international flights that leave directly from there and go anywhere. Well, there are. I've never been on one. Yeah, so we did that last year when we went to Cancun. Last year it was a direct flight from Kansas City to Cancun. See, that was pretty cool. That's how you do it. Yeah, did they, that um, whole layover crap or switch plank. The weird well, parts. The weird parts. Customs. Yeah, because it sucks. Like when you come home, is it still the when you go into Mexico? Is it still the stoplight? Um, uh, so that's where you, changed. Where you hit the deal and nope. it's either red or green. Nope, we didn't have to do any of that. We didn't have to fill out any declaration paperwork or anything nice um on the way home they they land in dallas they make you get all of your luggage oh yeah you go to customs and then you walk like literally 20 feet with all of your luggage and then put it back on another carousel but in that 20 feet you are now crossing into the u.s they make you carry your own luggage into the u.s yeah so, so that way if you're smuggling drugs anything in there yeah it's on you. But there's no checks. There's no checks anymore? No, no. You like pick it up off of one carousel and you go 20 feet and the, then you drop it on another they're carousel. They're x-raying it as you carry it. I yeah. guarantee it. I don't know. I miss... I, I like when they used to have the... Like it was literally just like five pedestals and there was just a dude standing there. Yeah. Like looked like an army guy. Like there's no guns. There's no... He just stands there and he just looks at you stone cold face and asks you like five questions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. How okay. long are you here? What are you here Welcome for? Welcome to America. Yeah. Uh, we're going home. Yeah. Like we live here. <laughs> this is our. What were you doing in Mexico? Uh, vacation. Yeah. What do you? What, what am I gonna say? Yeah. Uh, buying dope yeah. to put in my butt so I can get it. Wait. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think I'm gonna say? Yeah. Did they change the part of the the Kansas City Airport where you have to like check in, like if there's security, and then like you can't get back out. Well, that's a, that's that way everywhere. That's no, all airports. No, no but the, now but it's, now I, the restaurants and everything are inside of the actual act yeah. after security check. Yeah. I'd like so being that able you to, can eat and do stuff and blah blah blah. I like being able to do that where it's like you have the freedom of like getting coffee, eating whatever, and then checking in versus like checking in right. You know, I want to check in. I want to get on the plane. I want to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. No, they. I mean, so yeah. Before the terminals were so skinny and narrow. That whenever they put the TSA divider wall in, it was over. It was like mm-hmm. you had barely room for like a Starbucks kiosk in the KC airport, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now they've got full blown restaurants in there. Yeah. Call so, like MCI now. But but that's after TSA check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I had to get a new airport because TSA checks. Well, so you still have to. You'll you'll be happy to know that now. Mayor Quentin Lucas's voice will grace you over the airways oh, as you're walking through the airport. What a sleazeball. Yeah. What a greasy she, sleazeball. She had to put her hand over my mouth as we're boarding that plane. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Now we have to listen to fucking Quentin Lucas every time we yeah. get on a plane here. Yeah. And it's this custom message like, enjoy your flight to Dallas. Like, oh my God. It doesn't sound like someone who's... <laughs> how, how pretentious can you be? It doesn't sound like someone who's reluctant to have power. Like yeah. our forefathers. Yeah. Like you need nah, to be he's like, a piece of shit. The politicians all like are the ones that are just like, they understand the responsibility of power and they're reluctant to like take yeah. on power. I mean, it's pretty common to hear the mayor's voice on an, in an airport when you're welcoming to the city. Welcome to Dallas, right? Yeah. Enjoy this, enjoy this, enjoy this type of thing. No, Quentin Lucas is like, 
have fun in another city that's not Kansas City. Yeah, not going to be hard. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for nothing, douche. <laughs> it was pretty sad. That guy's a piece of work. Yep. What do you want to talk about, Mitch? Uh, we got two topics mm. on the card anyway. Who knows what else we'll come up with. I'll jump into them. Two topics on the card. First topic up is imposter syndrome. Never happened to me, but we can talk about it. Le- uh, next topic after that is going to be success guilt. Again, no, no guilt for Dave. <laughs> no, no, no guilt for Dave. It'll be a solo podcast with yeah. Mitch. Yeah, that's <laughs> Today on Dave's Therapy, we're going to talk yeah. to Mitch about his imposter syndrome and his success guilt. Yep. So, everyone uh, light a candle and turn down the lights. I, uh, I used to think I had imposter syndrome, but I don't. Uh, I do have a, a little bit of success guilt here and there. Uh. So, what imposter syndrome is, you may have heard this term before. If you haven't, uh, Dave is going to hack up a lung, Sorry, and then we'll get into it. <clears throat> Go ahead. Uh, uh, imposter syndrome is uh, it's a it's the mix of you're so good at your job that you make it look easy, but also you're so good at your job that you have a hard time finding its value. And when you blend those two together, you are stuck in the middle feeling like a fraud for charging what you charge because you have a hard time valuing the service, your own services that you provide. And it also comes easy to you. Yeah. It's so easy to you that you almost feel guilty for the amount of money that you charge. Yeah. You know, right. The easy way, like the easy way to cop out of it or to get out of it or what I tell people is you're not charging for necessarily the work you're doing. You're charging them for your knowledge and your experience. Yep. It's kind of like when you're in a cover, when you're in a band and you go get a gig and they're like, oh, we'll give you a hundred bucks. We'll give you a free beer and 150 bucks. And you're like, that's it? Well, they don't understand you've spent eight hours a day practicing for 15 years and then now you have band practice for two hours once a week with four guys to get good enough to even play the show. Right. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Yep. You're paying for, they are paying you for your knowledge, your experience, and your know-how to get it done. Right. And you have to just, like, I've never had a problem with this, but I do know lots of guys do, especially, <clears throat> especially new guys that aren't used to collecting money. A mm-hmm. lot it's it's amazing to me how many people have a hard time collecting money. Yep. Like that's that should be the easiest part of your day is getting the check and getting accepting paid. the check for the work that you've been doing for your entire adult life probably. Yeah. You know? Well, so the big disconnect that I see is you've got guys that have done this for a paycheck as an employee for somebody else. That's true too. And so they've been accustomed to doing this work for 40 hours a week, whatever, and and getting paid, let's say, you know, 1500 bucks for a week's worth of problem solving and diagnostics and use of their knowledge. Yeah, they right? go they go put in a toilet from your world and they were there an hour and they made I don't know $85 or whatever. Now they're looking at that going, okay, I put that in, but instead of making $85, I'm making 650 or whatever it is. I have right. no idea what the number is. 
And then they're like, oh, man, I just I feel like I'm taking advantage of these people. Right. No, you're not. You just weren't seeing that money before. Right. It was, it was going out. Yep. But it's going to other things. Business growth, insurance, taxes, yeah. your paycheck, you know, profit. Yep. Hey, profit's not a dirty word, guys. Hell no. Gals. Yeah. Profit is, uh, that is how like, America is made, and that's how you build your company is on profit. That's the reason you go into business. Right. right? So um, the, the key part of that is you feel like a fraud for charging what you're charging to do the services that you're doing. And um, the, the way that I get around that, and, and I try to explain to other people, um, I, I have two ways to explain that to other people. One is... Um, we have a company here in town that is like widely known as the most expensive plumber in town. Well, it just so happens they have a high turnover rate. And so their average years of experience amongst their employees, like most of their employees have two years of experience or less. And, you know, like you go the complete opposite of that. You look at like our company, our company, or like our least experienced guy has 17 years of experience. Uh, we average like 20 years of experience amongst all of our guys. And so um, by by just that simple comparison alone, I should actually be able to charge more than the most expensive plumber in town because of the quality of service I'm delivering for the same product being installed versus what that other company is doing for that same product. You're getting, <coughs> with us, you get it installed with a guy with, 17 to 22 years of experience. With them, you get it installed with a guy with two years of experience. Same toilet. Let's let's yeah. even just say same price, right? But one has 17 to 20 years of experience, another has two. Like, what's more valuable? Well, obviously, the guy with 17 years of experience. So that alone right there says that we should technically be able to charge more than them. Um, we don't, but we, we could and we'd feel okay with it because the customer's getting a better product. The other way that I explain to this, this to guys to help them get over their, their feeling of imposter syndrome is uh, imagine a doctor's office. Imagine if a doctor, if you went to the doctor and you paid full rate for what that doctor charged. Have you ever looked at like a doctor's bill? Yeah, it's it's insane. It's in, it's fucking insane, it's right? It's insanity. And so, like, you can go for a routine doctor. I don't want to say a routine, but like, you can go for a doctor's visit, just a twenty minute doctor's visit. And most people think, well, I got a forty dollar copay, and that's all they value that visit as. Yeah, they don't understand that that doctor's charging like six hundred dollars for that twenty minutes. Yeah, but they're charging for all their. You know, office fees, they're charging their professional fees, they're charging their facility fees, they're charging for the the scripts that they wrote you, they're charging for the samples they gave you, they're charging for every instrument they opened during your visit. Like, they are yeah. raking it in, right? And here's the thing, though, doctors never have imposter syndrome because they're not billing you. They're no, billing they're... the insurance company. Yeah. And... and most of the time when they do bill you directly, it's discounted because they don't really want you to understand how much it's actually costing. Yeah. It's the cloak and dagger. Yeah. Right? That's kind of how medical is right now. Yeah. And, or and has so been for a long time. You go full circle with that, and, and when customers are like, holy cow, that's really expensive, and I didn't pay that much of the doctor. Well, yeah, you, you somebody did. You may not have. Yeah. 
but somebody did. And just imagine how much that doctor would have charged if they came to your house with prepared to, to diagnose and take yeah. care of every ailment you had, yeah. right? And, and by no means am I comparing plumbers to doctors, but the level of service and the amount of knowledge it takes to do one or the other is, is fairly consistent with each other. You're not a very good doctor until you have 10 years of experience. You're not a very good plumber until you have 10 years of experience. And so, um, but the, the plumber has the ability to go mobile and come to your home and take care of it all. Whereas the doctor, you have to go to them. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, imposter syndrome, I would, I like to think it's mostly guys that are just starting out, one man shops, guys like you said that have come from a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, well, I'm making this paycheck and I'm making all of this. Yeah. You know, guys that are just on their own seem to have a harder time dealing with it. Man, I, I, what I hear a lot of is, man, I just don't know how you guys get away with charging that much or I feel like I'm charging too much. Yep. No, you're not. You're charging the same as everybody else. Yeah. You're just seeing it for the first time. Yep. I mean, it's... Or, or other comments you'll get is like, I just can't take advantage of people like that. And, and what it is... They're paying somebody else, bud. Right. There, there's there's <laughs> other businesses That's out the there... That's going that are, rate. Right. Yeah, you're, all you're doing is charging the going rate. There's other businesses out there that are proving that is the going rate. Um, but you got a guy who maybe he's... Maybe he's used to making twenty twenty five dollars an hour, and he's doing side work for like thirty dollars an hour cash, and so he's used to going out for thirty dollars an hour cash and solving these problems. Yeah, he doesn't realize that when you're a legit business with overhead, it totally changes things, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and again, the side work thing's always funny because it's like, would you want a doctor doing side work? You know, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Is he just is he coming to my house and writing me a script? I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe a script. Maybe. May, I mean, maybe. But if it's like, like uh, I don't want him to drive to my house and cut me open. My, my in-laws are coming in on Sunday, but I can go ahead and do that appendectomy on Saturday if you want. Like, yeah, that's like, a little sketch, right? You know what? I've got a gurney in my garage if you want to come to my house. Right. Like, OK. Right. Like it works in some All areas, right, but not, not the yeah. medical. Yeah, that's just that's just kind of odd. So, you, I, imposter syndrome is a very real thing, and um, we're being a little brash about it because you kind of need that reality check with imposter syndrome. Um, the moment that you're staring down all of the expenses of a business, you realize real quick, holy shit, there's a whole lot of money that it takes to go on here. Like, yeah. like literally, just in January, we have two sewer cameras in our company. Just in January, both of them broke. They're thousands and thousands of dollars to repair each. Like a brand new one is eleven grand. I say a good one's ten. Yeah, a good one is ten. So um, for you those know, of you, they're like, "Well, I got a rigid one from Home Depot." Stop it! Right, you can't see nothing on that. No, it. Well, <laughs> I mean, rigid does make the best sewer cameras. They make a but, good one. Um, they do not make the best sewer cameras. Stop well, it. Most widely used, I'll say that. Vivax is the best. Well, one. you're talking about like prosumer versus like. Yeah. Like, you know, like professional, I think. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm just making fun of Mitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. My, my technical brain over here. I'm like, well, we'll He's something. looking at the wall one second and then asking questions the next. Sometimes I wonder about him. Who, me? No, this one. Oh. Yeah, you never know. You never know what you he's never doing know. over there. <laughs> the wheels are always turning. I have the I have the business experience of like a flea ant. So yeah. every long once in a while, I'm like, I think this is how it works. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Hey, Premier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So oh, man. You, Austin. Love me some Austin. 
the, the moment you're staring down the expenses that it takes to actually run the business, you start to realize that the customer isn't necessarily paying for your time on site. They're paying for all of the overhead it takes for you to be in the position to solve whatever problems they have, even if you aren't solving the, the big expensive problem. So in other words, all of our customers kind of have to share in the, uh, the burden of making sure that we have sewer cameras on staff, or not on staff, but on hand, so that we can use them if any customer ever needs one. Um, even though the customer that's having us put in a kitchen faucet might not actually be needing it. It's still part of the overhead expenses that we have to, we have to carry every month. Right. Um, and you never know that customer might need us to bring a sewer camera out to their house one day. So, um, that uh, understanding all of those expenses and what goes into it is the easiest way to get over imposter syndrome. Um, if you're an employee at a company and you're looking to start your own, uh, feel free to ask questions about some of the expenses in business. And don't ask them in like a nosy way, like you're questioning their motives. Ask them in a genuine way where you're wondering like, hey, I'd love to learn a little bit more about some of the overhead expenses of the business. I think it'll make me a better service technician, whatever, whatever the case may be. And, and if you're open to sharing those with me, I would love to, to look at those a little bit and just learn more. I think I would be a better salesman if I understood more of the overhead. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get to a point, our books needed a little bit cleaned up, uh, but I'm trying to get to a point where I can have like monthly financial reviews with our entire company where like, I want to be hyper transparent with all of our books in our company to where, no matter what position you are in the company, you know how much profit we made last month as a company. You know how much loss we took last month as a company. Um, that is another way to get over imposter syndrome. When, when you watch your whole team bust their ass for a month and then realize that, oh, the company only made $5,000 profit last month. It's like, damn. That's freaking crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's other months where it's like, oh, we made 20 grand profit, you know? But then there's some months where it's like, eek, we lost eight grand. So it, it just kind of depends. It goes month to month. And so um, when, you, when you have those overhead expenses that you have to carry every month, it really changes the game on your imposter syndrome. Um, I had a friend of mine reach out to me um, about a week ago. And um, I've, I've been fairly vocal on social media before about how we aren't the cheapest plumber in town, but we have the highest rating on Google and we have the most experience and you get what you pay for. And I had a customer of mine reach out a couple of weeks ago, um, two weeks ago, and, and he said, look, I've seen you post about how you aren't the cheapest in town, but I had you guys come out and give me an estimate for all of this under slab work that I need done. He's wanting to like move bathrooms around in his basement and stuff like that. And he says, your quote was like four times as expensive as the other quotes I got. It wasn't Bait City, was it? No. Okay. Um, 
And, and I said, well, let me look into it and see. And so he shared with me, he would not, I asked him to share who quoted the work aside from us, and he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, because chances are they aren't full-blown legitimate companies. They might be, they may, they might be guys that are like on their own, but they're probably not like a fully staffed company, right? Um, so he wouldn't share with me who bid it, but he shared with me the amounts. And they, we weren't five times four or five times the amount. It's probably double. We're about double. Yeah. Right. But in everybody's the, so dramatic. The, the, the rule of three, right? Yeah. You know, if they're, if they're double. <laughs> I haven't heard the rule of three in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also too, like reading through the estimate that we were providing, it doesn't sound like all of the, all of the answers are figured out in this job either. Um, the final locations of plumbing isn't quite nailed down. You know, I think it's going to go over here somewhere or whatever. Well, we never want to give an estimate where we have to come back then later and ask for more money. And so our estimate, when we don't, when we have so many unknowns, our it's estimate's going to be big, yeah. right? You got to count for everything. We're not afraid at all to come in and be like, oh, well, okay, well, we thought we were going to move this over here. We only moved it to over here. You know, this job did now it didn't take nearly as long as what we had planned for. So now your new price is X, right? Like we'll, we'll always adjust that price down. Oh, yeah. I never did um, that. It is, I bet it at this. This is what sometimes I lost, sometimes well, I won. So, I mean, sometimes you know? we don't, right? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you need to win a little bit extra. But yeah. like if, if we bid it for, you know, to take us a week and it only takes us two days, that's okay, a whole that's different story. Different. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole different story. That's different. And, and so I, you know, I kind of, I, I replied as respectfully as I could, and I said, you know, look, I know we're not the cheapest in town. We're definitely not the most expensive, and, and you do get what you pay for. Here's here's the full story. What I don't understand is if he was that comfortable with them and they were that much cheaper, why would he even respond? Because he's not comfortable with them. Exactly. And That's he, my point. Yeah, and here's the full story. Our first ever service call there was to investigate every time he used his shower, he got a couple of drips of water in the basement and he couldn't figure out where it was coming from. So we get there, we start doing some... So he's a ticky-tack little weirdo. Well, <laughs> we, we, start, it. we start doing a little bit of investigation and we realize this is not a simple thing. So we start prying a little bit further and we pry a little bit further and we realize that his uh, shower riser between the shower valve and the shower head is leaking when the shower's on. So we do some preliminary investigation. We find out where it's leaking. We cut a hole in the sheetrock behind the shower. Now we find out, okay, it's like a bad solder joint from crappy work when he had his bathroom remodeled because he went with the cheapest guy. And it's now flooded his bathroom in a way that resulted in like like a twenty or $30,000 bathroom remodel yeah, because it a- got under the subfloor. They had to like literally rip out the entire bathroom because of all the water damage. Like it was leaking just enough to go everywhere and show up nowhere yeah, for that's a the long worst. time. Right. That's the worst. And so floors all rotted, soft. It was it was <laughs> kind of ironic to to see a customer who's ex, who's literally gone through the hell of using the cheapest contractor. And then now their very next project, they're they're like, hey, what you you're like way more expensive than these guys. Well yeah. Look what happened last time you used the cheap guy. And that's yeah. not an excuse for me to overcharge you. That's just, this is, this is what experience and this is what quality costs, you know? Um, and so, that, you know, that, seeing stuff like that in person will get you over your imposter syndrome real fast too. Because yeah. th- there you're seeing the difference when, in quality. When you can learn 
and see your own quality as above and beyond everyone else's, right? The doubt's usually gone. Right, right. So um, if anybody is struggling with imposter syndrome at all, feel free to send us a uh, send us an email, askmitch at mitchsmedley.com, and um, it, it, it presents itself differently for everybody. So if you're struggling with charging the right price or if you're struggling with feeling okay with charging what you have to charge to stay in business, send us an email. We'd love to work with you through that. Um, where, where we see this a lot is guys that guys will in the same sentence or in the same day, they'll talk about how hard it is to turn a profit. But at the same token, they'll say, I just can't screw people over like that. Yeah. You're not screwing them over. Like if anything, they're screwing you over because they're jeopardizing your ability to remain in business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are also the same guys that when they give the lady the bill and she tears up, it's just so exciting. Well, you knew before. Okay. I'm not giving you, those are the guys that take money off. Yeah. You know, and then she calls her friends and goes, <laughs> I got them. Right. You know, got them. Got them for a hundred bucks. You know, I yep. mean, you got to stick to your guns, man. Yeah. They know yeah. what they're doing. They're, they're at home all day. Like, oh, I'm going to do to this contractor. Yeah. <laughs> Working up tears. Absolutely. I'm bite uh, my lip. See, I was just, he's too far. Yeah. Austin's going to get hate I've, mail again. I've got a customer <laughs> right fine. now. Daniel just told me today that we've got a customer that, um, they, they okayed us for the work and they had to shoot out to work. So call them when we're all done and they'll pay with a credit yeah. card. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, I'm walking into a meeting or, oh, I'm yeah. unavailable right oh, now. Sorry, or, I dropped oh, I'm, a match I'm driving. Room. Yeah. And so <laughs> now, now it's to the point where it's just like sending us straight to voicemail and the voicemail box is full and he's denying text messages. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that stuff happens again part of imposter syndrome, part of running a business is those are part of overhead expenses. Customers who don't want to pay their bills, those are overhead expenses that you have to cover. Yeah. So Lawyer fees are expensive when you set someone's house on fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it yeah. happens. That well, won't be happening. I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if the gloves uh, don't fit, you must have quit. That's right. Uh, oh, topic number goodness. two for tonight. Uh, what do you got? Success guilt. So <laughs> I feel like those are almost the same thing. No, no, they, not the same. They thing. are not. They're they are not. not. Okay. So, um, non-business videographer over here. Yep. So um, I'm gonna get I, a mute button for him. I, I actually <laughs> struggle with this a little bit. So um, this is this is something similar. So this success guilt comes from somebody who's overcome imposter syndrome, but is now. Um, they're now. They've taken the risk. They've they've taken the calculated risk. They did their calculations correctly. Um, they are of great value in the marketplace. And anytime you create a business that is of great value in the marketplace, your income is going to reflect that. And so now that their income is getting up to a level where they dreamed it would be, and they, they calculated that it should be if all goes well, well, now they almost feel guilty for it. Kind of, kind of teetering a little bit with imposter syndrome. Like it was, e- I don't want to say it was easier than they thought because it, taking that kind of risk is not easy necessarily, but they calculated the risks properly. And so now they're starting to see the rewards of it. And so what success guilt is, is somebody who is fearful to live the lifestyle they've worked for for fear of what others may now think of them. Yeah. 
what I hear from guys is usually they started their company on their own. They get to the point where they have three or four, four employees, sometimes a, you know, a couple office staff or one office staff, and they feel guilty because they know the guys and they're friends with the guys and they see those guys as breaking their backs and working real hard for them to grow that business and make that business into something. Right. You know, and they're not doing the work that those guys are now doing. Right. You know, those men had spent so much time in the field and in the trenches that now that they're out of it, they feel bad for their guys that are still in it. Yep. Why they're, you know, reaping the rewards and going to Mexico on flying swaps <laughs> and stuff. And, you know, they feel bad because their guys are still working while they're on vacations. That's usually, and it, look, to be honest, I've only had like two guys ever say like, hey man, you know, I just, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing, it's usually what they say is I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Right. You know, they don't break down into detail what we're talking about here. I'm, you know. They just, man, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. The guys are, you know, this and that. And, you know, we, I haven't really, you know, sat down and talked with them like we talk about stuff here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can just feel their anxiety yeah. about the situation. And it's like, you know, they want to say, what do I do? Do I go back in the field? Do I just, you know, grin and bear it? Do I look the guys that are working for you that are in the field, if they want to be on their own, they can be on their own. Yeah. You're not holding a gun to their head and making them work. Right. Okay. You're paying them. Right. Okay. They're there by choice. Right. I mean, I, you know, you hear guys all the time, well, I just, I can't go somewhere else. I can't, you know, do it on my own. Those guys probably aren't going to be running their own business anyway. Right. Okay. So don't feel like you're holding them back or you're holding them down. You're, if they're not going to go out on their own, you're lifting them up. Right. You know, and if you're doing the right thing um, by giving them really great benefits and really great retirement and they're getting, you know, good pay for your area, you're providing for help, helping uh, maintain a place where they can provide for their family. Right. Sorry, I stumbled all over those words. Yeah. Um, So don't feel bad about it. Right. You know, do, you know, do good things for them. Yeah. Keep the work coming in. You know, it, if you are feeling guilty about like days off, you went and played golf in the afternoon, or don't tell them. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not saying be completely transparent and tell everyone every little thing because I, I, I don't think that works. But don't let the guilt distract you from what you are doing. Right. Okay. You are doing the right thing. If you have four guys and they're all getting great paychecks, you're doing the right things. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, if, if you're an employee at a company uh, and, and your only concerns are your paycheck and the company's customers and you're handling those two really well, well, that pays at a certain level. Um, if you're a manager at a company and your only concerns are the company's customers and you know all of the people you manage, well, that pays at a little bit more of a level, right? You have more under your care, so you get paid a little bit more. Well, if you own the company and now you're responsible for all of the managing and everything else and you're responsible for all of the marketing and figuring out how to pay for all of the costs and having a vision that looks into next year to figure out what's going to happen next year 
and and you you have that general oversight of everything. Well, now that pays at a completely different level, and and they all carry various amounts of risk too. So yeah, um, it's <clears throat> one thing to where when you work at a company, the biggest risk you have is like your own job. Like I might lose my job if I screw up, right? Yeah. Um, it's a completely different risk if it's like if I screw up, it impacts two or three people. Well, it's a completely different risk even again if you say if I screw up, now it impacts 10 or 15 people. Yeah. So um, basically the, the more people you impact, the greater your level of income should be if you've done everything right. And so you will be more successful. Um, and uh, as you are growing a company and you start to get to a point where you're, um, you're transitioning from like in the field into management or in the field into more of an, like an ownership role, um, you, you, may, you may start to hear cries from the field of, oh, you're not in the field anymore. Oh, it must be nice. Or I don't want to say must be nice, but like, you know, oh, we, we, we never see you anymore. It's hard to get a hold of you or whatever. Well, as the company is growing and getting bigger, you're really, really busy making sure that everything is going to, to land for your people like you want it to. Um, an easy way to put it is like if you want to own a growing company, your vision for that growing company has to be so big and so broad that everybody who works in that company their vision and their dreams can fit inside your vision and your dreams. So that's how big you have to be thinking if you want to own a big growing company. Um, you, you can't offer people opportunities to grow and, 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 and grow within the company if you don't have big plans for the company. And so that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time behind a computer. It takes a lot of time on the phone. It takes a lot of time in like, you know, digital meetings, Zoom meetings, stuff like that, while you are, for one, learning how to do things right, for two, helping others do things right within the company, and then like just self, I say self-development, it's not really self-development, but like self-development within your own company for perfecting your own vision like like real life example i started our company with a certain vision well i have to revisit that vision what feels like almost daily to make sure that it is still the correct vision and make tiny tweaks to it so that we stay on course for that vision and that's not stuff that doesn't take time like it takes it takes serious thought time to be sitting there and making sure, okay, we are on this path. These numbers are looking this way. If we continue this way, we will end up here type of thing. And and that does take you out of the field, especially when you have multiple guys working for you. Yeah. There's so, a lot of – when you get – my father-in-law, he used to clean and maintain coffee machines. Okay. Well, when that went under, he went to work for Coke, and he would put, like, Fountain machines in. Mm -hmm. He actually used to. It's you know what Todd Co Mechanical is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to own that. Okay. He, he sold that. Anyways, um, he used to say, you know, when Coke made them be subcontractors, he just didn't have a choice. I had I had to start a company and I had to get guys. He used to always say, you know, for every three or four guys we hired, 
I had to have one more office staff. Right. You know, and if we didn't have the money to have an office staff, that was, you know, four more hours of my time that I had to be spending working on that. Right. Okay. People just don't, like I didn't realize in the beginning how much time it takes just to do simple invoicing and tax preparation and billing for just the work I was doing. Right. You know what I mean? I tried, and and I had customers balk at it. I would just, look, I'm not, I don't schedule anything on Mondays. Why? Like literally I spend all day trying to get everything together from the week before. Right. Because if I don't, and, and listen, I would try to, when I got home, like, okay, get this organized, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. But if I didn't have a day where no one was around to sit down and fill out warranty paperwork and mm-hmm. it just didn't get done. Yeah. You know, and that's, that was kind of his, you know, it always, I don't know why it stuck with me. Like I didn't know hardly anything about his business, but it always stuck with me. He's like, you know, three or four guys, you can handle it. One more, you got to hire somebody. Three or four more guys, eh, you, it's, it, then you got to hire somebody. Right. It's just because the amount of red tape and paperwork and bullshit is just overwhelming. Yeah. It's just, there's so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've worked at an organization that ran really efficient in that area where we were running 20 plumbers with an office staff of three. Yeah, four. Um, That's about right. Right. Now, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Um, office staff of four, that did not include payroll. Oh, pa- so you had- payroll was run through a department that ran the whole company's payroll. Gotcha. Now, the office staff of four was basically hand-delivering numbers to payroll, and payroll was just paying them that. Mm-hmm. But still... Um, still, it's one more step. Right, right. And so, again, those are, those are a lot of the costs that go into why we charge what we charge and, and everything else is because in order to grow a company, you need a lot of back-end support. Um, thankfully, today, you're getting into... Um, you're getting into areas where you can hire like virtual assistants and things like that to do some of your medial tasks uh, at a fraction of the cost of a traditional office employee. So that helps. That helps a lot. Um, um, I know. I know of one company that they half of their office staff is virtual assistants. The other half is like actual office staff. Yeah. And and we're talking an office staff of like 16 and so they probably have 16 virtual assistants as well. It's a lot of staff. That's it's a lot of office staff. Imagine how big their field staff is if they've got Humongous. 16 in the office and 16 virtual assistants. Humongous. But um um you know there are some things that that robots can't do. There are some things that computers can't do and and so you need people to do them. And it's like warranty paperwork and taxes and yeah, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, going um, over the books like some of us don't do, and then get caught having to go back <laughs> and look through them again. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, people should take a look. I get people commenting, "Oh, all you do is just make videos for work. That's what you do." But they don't see is like Mitch and I have spent like hours like messaging and like deliberating, like. Yeah, like one video. Yeah, or spend 10 hours out of my house doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Walk to carrying a video camera around for eight hours with nothing to show for it. <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah. Nothing yeah. yet. But just like, yeah, people don't see that back and stuff of like, I think Mitch and I were up, I think at like, like 10 o'clock the other night, just like going back and forth, like, you know, 
and, and the don't same thing. Don't text me after nine because you aren't getting no response. Yeah. Well, the same thing too for like keeping the vision is like, especially like on a video, it's like really important because it's like once things get moving and turning, it's just like you kind of have to revi- revisit. Okay, like what is, what are we working on here? Well, and and that's yeah. I mean that's a, a businesses are very fluid too. Mm-hmm. You may you may open a business with one vision, and then you, the more you realize it, you realize okay that vision's yeah. not profitable, or that vision's not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, effective, right? And so you might have to alter the course of your own vision Mm -hmm. in your own company because you realize that I got to stay moving if I want to stay successful. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got an acquaintance of mine that has, he has the wrong vision. Um, And he has a garage door company. It's down in Texas. And he his vision is incorrect. He's wanting to build this entire business around supporting um, military and police officers. And his vision is trying to pursue and market to military and police officers, but then also... As his employees or customers only? As, as customers only. And as part of his vision, he's wanting to give them these grave discounts. And it just business philosophy-wise, like business model-wise, it doesn't work. You can't, you can't take your... The, the, the customer base that you want to give the largest discounts to and make them your largest customer base. Yeah, he would have to just cater to everyone, and then his vision would be to help the police and the military and give them, if you, you know, a military discount, 35%, no questions asked every time. But he has to have that money coming in from somewhere else to make up that difference, right? or you're working in the hole. Right, right. I mean, and so, that's just economics 101, right? Like it, you know, like I, <laughs> I've talked to him on several occasions. He's trying to work through this, um, but he's really reluctant. Like Give him my phone number. It's He's just this passionate about it. And, um, I mean, he'll get there, right? But he's probably going to have to stare down the barrel of changing his vision mm-hmm. mid-stride. Well, let's talk about that just for two seconds. People do not like being wrong. Yeah. Okay, and if you're going to be successful in business, you have to be able to walk in to the bathroom and look in the mirror and go, man, I fucked that up. I've got to do something different. Right. And you you know what? It, you have to be able to go to your guys sometimes and say, hey, I'm sorry. Yep. I screwed up. Yep. This Every idea I have is not the right one. Everything that pops into my head is not the greatest beginning and end and is going to make or break everything that we do. You just cannot think that way. Right. Because it's, it's impossible. No one is perfect. Yep. It's impossible. You can be right nine out of 10 times. You're still going to have one that it's impossible to be right all the time. Right. This is for Mitch Smedley. Well, too, like if you're, (laughs) I'm agreeing with you because I have been in that position more times than I can count. Where you just it sucks, but you got to deal with it. My personality is the type where I don't go into anything like I don't put my toe in the water. I'll make a decision and I go right. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's exactly right. The problem is. Once sometimes you're wrong, it's too late. <laughs> well, yeah. Sometimes you realize you're wrong and you're like fully vested, right? Yeah. And so now it what it creates is a lot of backpedaling because when I go, I'm bringing others with me. And so I'm 
I don't want to say like I'm convincing them or I'm selling them on the idea. You are selling them. But, that's exactly but, what but you're I mean, doing. essentially, that's what you're doing, right? Yes, that's 100% what you're doing. And so I go in a direction and I get everybody on board with me. And then I like, because again, my vision is a little bit farther out than most, right? I have to be thinking farther ahead. Well, because of that, I'm now seeing problems arise faster than anybody else. And so I'm the first to realize, oh shit, we fucked up. And not we, I, right? I chose to march in this direction and we're going to like, we're going to get slaughtered if we keep going in this direction. So then I have to halt, pull up stakes. And that pisses people off too. And, and change direction. And, and if, it pisses people off. Just yeah. it, human nature is it pisses people off. Yep. And I, I, this is going to sound like I'm dogging Mitch, but I'm not in any way. Mitch does it that way. The way I like to do it is I... I'm trying to make this not sound bad. Mitch, like he was saying, looks out in front and, and sees those things, but he's already in. You have to be able to think of all of those things and almost be able to see in which I know this sounds ridiculous, see into the future and say, okay, this scenario could happen. 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 Obviously not all of them are going to be happen, but you have to almost be able to think it's not going to be perfect. There's no way because it can't, it's not going to be the worst because it just, Things don't work out that way, yeah. but it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Yep. Like Mitch's fault, I would say, is he thinks that it's going to be perfect when he jumps off. It's going to go this way. He's enthusiastic. This is going to happen, and I'm going to do it. It's, it's going to work out. It's going to be perfect. Mine is I'm at 80% of that. Yeah. Like I know it's not going to be perfect, but I'm still going to try to get there. Mm-hmm. What can I do to mitigate that 20% that I know is going to happen? Yep. And it, it's this sounds really vague and really stupid, but it's... You almost have to train yourself to think that way yeah. in order for stuff to work out because there's just you just can't win every time. Well, so here's a wild story. You're dead on, by the way. Um, here's, a, here's a wild story. Or, yeah, about me. Um, I still love you. No, no. It's, so look, where this, where let, this let came me, from? You can finish. Let me just say this one thing. That is what makes great people great is they don't give a fuck. Right. They just say this is going to be the way it's going to be and I'm going to go and more times than not, it does work out. Yeah. So th- when I said I'm not slighting Mitch, I'm not right. Right. Because I wish sometimes I was more like that, but I'm just, that's not my personality. Yeah. So, so sorry. like in my, uh, leadership journey or whatever you want to call it years ago, um, I was, I was working under, um, under a boss or a manager or whatever that I highly respected. He had great wisdom. And he came to me one day and he said, you know, your biggest problem is that you're vocal about all of the obstacles that you fear will happen. And, and what he was meaning was like, somebody would come to me with a new idea and I would immediately in my mind, I would, I would enjoy the idea. I'd like the idea, but I would think, okay, we might run into this. 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 And I was vocal about all of the possibilities. Well, when you're vocal about all those and you're in a leadership role, that's very discouraging to your team. Yeah, it's knocking them down a peg. Right. And you don't now your team to. starts freaking out about all these things that probably won't happen. And so what he coached me to do was don't like don't not recognize those. Recognize them. Develop a plan privately for if you encounter these, here's what you're gonna do. 
don't tell your team any of it because you know most of it won't happen. And then when it doesn't happen, now it just it just looks like you were smooth. Well, when it does happen and it's one of the things that you planned on, you already have a plan to overcome it. So why do you have to make your team worry about it anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I shifted to where now I do recognize all those possibilities in my head, but I stay quiet about them. And then I just navigate them on. That's still, and this is this is business ownership, this is leadership, this is anybody who oh, wants yeah. to do anything great. <clears throat> you will still occasionally get blindsided oh, yeah. with things <laughs> that you didn't expect, or you yeah. will get that rare <clears throat> case where you thought five things could go wrong, but realistically probably only one or two of them will, and it'll still work. Yeah. And then all of a sudden all five go wrong, and you're like fuck we're sunk yeah you know and and it so happens. and so and all of that happens right in <clears throat> clear view of oh, your team man. and your team sees it right yeah. so now they're seeing you back yeah better. oh so, man i gotta write a check to the irs for 30 grand fuck right mm. fuck right exactly yeah. uh, it for, happens 40 grand by the way it happens oh i wasn't talking about you i was uh, <laughs> no i'm talking about me <laughs> i was just talking in general one one was, was just, 30 one was 10 i was just total talking 40 yeah, those things just happen, and you can't if if you laid all those things out and listed them all out and thought, man, I can't do that. All these things are going to happen. You'd never do anything. Yeah, you know you, what I mean. You wouldn't get married. No, but you, you wouldn't buy a car. You wouldn't buy a house. Yeah, but you have to list those things out and think, okay, if you list two, ten of them out, two of those are going to happen. Yeah. How do I? If this, this, or this happens, how do I get around that? Yeah. And then the next plan, you do the same thing. And the next plan, you do the same thing. And after five years of experience doing all of those things, you have all your bases covered. Yeah. You know, you have a plan. You have a realistic idea of, you know, how to navigate trouble. And it, it sounds really broad and really experienced and all otherworldly, but it, I mean, it really just comes down to you have to pre prepare the best you can all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah, and don't and don't let those fears stop you from jumping in, because like you said, if you did, nothing would ever happen. You get uh, nothing done. I'm gonna look up this. Oh, here we go. Show's coming to a screeching halt. I have a friend that's like oh, that. Here he's, we go. He's that the, was off the rails. He's the uh, the ten percent <laughs> guy, so he's like the opposite of Mitch. He's like this, like with like like with like trying <clears throat> to get a girl because he's not married yet, and he's like my age. And so it's like every Keep time I ask, every time I ask, you him, don't need one now, dude. Just keep on going. Every time I ask him, it's always like, oh, he's like, you know, he does the 10% thing and like never fully commits. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like love, that's not something you can calculate. And I feel like guys have this thing of like, oh, I got to calculate it and plan it out and do this. I'm like, dude, like going yeah. for love, that's a huge, a huge bold risk. Like I drove yeah. down to Mississippi. That's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's amazing how opposite Mitch and I are. Yeah. Like, I don't calculate shit. I just, uh, I'm like, I'm just doing it. So <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I found the name of the movie. Uh, I watched a movie on our, on our plane ride to Mexico, uh, called devotion. Uh, and if, if I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, I don't know. It was on American airlines, but it's about these two pilots. Um, and it's, and it's back in the days of like segregation starting to end. So we had like a, a, a white naval pilot and a black naval pilot. Uh, in is the this movie. a World War II movie? Yeah. 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 I heard it was really good. It's freaking amazing. Yeah, I heard it was really good. It's badass. I can't remember. And do you remember what the black guy's name is? I the can't actor. remember. The, I can't even. I can't He's remember. a great actor. Yeah. 
Ah, um, it'll come to me. So I hope I remember what it is. Anyway, the mm. the the white pilot um, is new to the squadron, and he goes out and flies with the black pilot. And the black pilot has a hard time like gaining respect among the squadron because he's black in a time where blacks weren't widely accepted, right? And so, um, anyway, the the white pilot is basically told like just you know try to stay with me, as as the black pilot's kind of leading things. And the black pilot is doing some really sketchy shit on their like training flight. Like it's just a, a intel gathering flight or something, right? It's supposed to be like super high level, high altitude, just boring shit. And um, no, this pilot is like flying down at sea level, 20 feet off the water, and he's slaloming between sailboats. <laughs> and um, he's like dive bombing <clears throat> houses in neighborhoods. And then pulling off at the last second. And this is like on his like training flight. And so they get done and the, the white pilot's like, you know, oh my God, like, what, was that all necessary, you know? And, and the guy says, you, you can't learn how to fly these planes from manuals and you can't learn how to fly them from like observation flights. Like, how are you ever going to fly this thing yeah. in real like life? in a war battle. Yeah. Mm. If a you war don't, battle. If, <laughs> A no, war battle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How are you ever going to fly these things when you need to if you don't fly them like yeah. like you will need to yeah, on a regular like basis? Stole it, right? Yeah. And and lo and behold, <laughs> they end up having to fly like that throughout the movie, right? Yeah. But um, you know, being prepared for that kind of stuff is huge. So you know, operating and being able to have the vision to see like I'm going to need to navigate that kind of problem. I'm going to need to put myself in a little bit of trouble on a planned basis so that I'm perfectly okay working with a little bit of trouble when it comes at me unexpectedly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that's what that pilot did is he put himself in precarious situations on purpose on the regular basis so that when he was in that precarious situation in real life, he was calm and cool and collected. Yeah. So business ownership is not much different. You've got to push your limits. You've got to push your boundaries and you got to get yourself uncomfortable from time to time so that when those boundaries come for you and those limits come for you, you don't freak out when you're a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, you don't panic. Right. You've prepared yourself yeah. a little at a time. So um, guys, if this if this show raised you uh, questions or raised uh, any uh, <laughs> observations or anything like that, raised no one's brain's working all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. But uh, yeah. um, uh, if you have any questions that you would like to ask us, if you would like to you know dive deeper into any one of these topics or anything like that, do us a favor and shoot us an email at askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. And uh, we will uh, reply to your email. If your questions are good enough, we might make a show about them. Uh, regardless uh, of that, we do always reply to every email we ever get. So it's not like you just send an email and you're sitting in a queue for months on end. So um, uh, email in any questions that you have. Also find us on Facebook. Um, if you're looking for us on Facebook, it's at Podcast The Void. And uh, obviously we're on all of the major uh, platforms that are out there. So... Um, uh, until next time guys we will see you later love you guys